0: In order for you to be successful um, selling and and creating sustainable growth, you have to have what we call the four fits. And the four fits are identity. Uh, The next is the market. The third one is positioning. And the last one is offer.
1: Are you a follower of Jesus that feels called to expand the kingdom of God through building and growing successful businesses? If that's you, then welcome to the Kingdom Capitalist Show that interviews amazing Christians using their business and money-making abilities to expand God's kingdom all over the globe. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, and welcome to the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Kingdom Capitalist Show. I am really excited about our guest today. We have a longtime friend and a scaling business machine, Mr. Joey Gilkey. Joey, what's up, man?
0: Ellis, one of my favorite people. Thank you for having me on, man. Appreciate it.
1: Joey, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what you are doing currently.
0: Sure. Yeah, I uh, am the founder of Tribe Prospecting. Uh, On top of Tribe Holdings, which holds a number of companies that we've built that are all centered around helping businesses grow and scale. Uh, Everything from helping businesses actually do done for you prospecting. So we will do lead generation for companies up to helping companies scale uh, for the purpose of an acquisition, uh, selling their business eventually. So uh, we have a whole host of companies, things that we do. Uh, Most importantly about me, I am a follower of Jesus. I do all things in business, at least. To the best of my effort, uh, to glorify the Lord. uh, That's why I'm excited about this podcast. I'm excited about what you have going on, Ellis, with Kingdom Capitalists. And uh, outside of that, I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee, married to Rachel Gilkey, uh, my wife. uh, Completely outkicked my coverage there. Ellis, you know that.
1: Yes, you did. Uh,
0: That's me. I'm just a dude trying to make a living, uh, trying to Mm -hmm. make an impact, uh, trying to bring people along for the ride.
1: Real quick for asking you about some of those things. Is Knoxville considered like a – do you have a lot of breweries Yes. In,
0: in yeah. yeah. Favorite so Knoxville, brewery? Knoxville is a food and drink town for sure. Uh, we are not known for our tech, unlike some cities around us, but we are certainly known for our food and drink. Yeah, breweries, there's actually one. Excuse the language here, but the, the, uh, the brewery is called Crafty Bastard, um, and it has some incredibly unique beers, including a double IPA. Uh, that is quite literally my favorite beer nice. of all time. Nice.
1: We go to Knoxville. That's that's where we'll head. So, yeah. all right. So, you you talked about being, you know, a follower of God is, is your identity, and being a kingdom capitalist. You know, as you're you're a, one of the founding members of our tribe, kingdom capitalists. Uh, I know that's not a term that we probably use or people use a lot often. Maybe it's the first time they've heard that uh, in listening to our show. And so, um, in your in your opinion, or kind of your vision of what a kingdom capital is, w- would you share that for our listeners?
0: Yeah, man. No, I think, and one reason I'm really excited about this and, and the reason I chose to join and, and become a founding member is I think that in the church, it's very difficult. I think that money, success, ambition, power, we know that they can be good things, but I think that we shy away from them because of the potential of it being manipulated and used for uh, bad things. And so I think uh, when I think of kingdom capital, I think of somebody who's Actively in the church, uh, in their community, uh, their purpose, just like a missionary's purpose is to go share the gospel to the nations. Uh, I believe that a kingdom capitalist job is to be someone who sends people to the nations. So we, we are an enabler, but also by the way that we do exceptional work, people should stop and they should look at Joey Gilkey or Ellis Hammond or, or other guys in our group and girls And they should look at our work and say, there's something different about the way that they pursue ambition. They're extremely successful. They're achieving a lot. They're making a lot. They have a lot of authority and power. uh, But it seems like they're not building it for themselves. So I think a kingdom capitalist, somebody who is building the kingdom of God through ambitious work in the workplace.
1: Yeah, I love that definition. Someone who's doing exceptional work that really stands out to the rest of the world for the glory of God so that others uh, really ask about what you're doing, right? Like that is such a a powerful concept. Let let me just have to double click on that a, a little bit, like the importance of doing exceptional work or working in excellence, just in your story or kind of in your business. And then being kind of in the Knoxville context, i Maybe talk a little bit about that, just like how excellence has has been, has been a marked difference for you. Sure.
0: Yeah, I'll start kind of like the origin of why I think ex- exceptional work is important. E- excellent, exceptional, um, whatever you want to call it. You know, I think that it comes back to the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of creation. So when God created Adam and Eve, uh, he gave Adam two commands. And this is before sin entered the world. And so I think this has been really impactful for me. There's a mentor in college who shared this with me. He was a computer programmer of all things. And he said, how can I glorify God with uh, writing code all day? And then he he shared this verse and he explained how. And, and so what it essentially boils down to is God gave two commands. He said, one, be fruitful, multiply. So, hey, Adam and Eve, you guys are one unit. Uh, go have sex and multiply. That's a God-honoring thing. The second was, here's a garden. I want you to till it. And what he's essentially telling Adam is I want you to work this garden and make it more beautiful than when I gave it to you. Mm. And I think that is the call of all Christians in the is We have been given a craft, a skill, um, an environment, whatever it might be a job of a task at hand uh, that even if it's not quote unquote sexy, like some certain occupations, our, our objective in the workplace is to, we've received this from God. Now let's give it back to a more beautiful than we received it. So mm. That's kind of been the cornerstone of how I approach work Um, and and how that really looks is I think the obvious things, doing things the right way, not cutting corners for a buck. You know, I think that's one easy way, but I think even in work, like striving to be, and unfortunately in the world that we live in with the internet, we live in a winner take all society where uh, you are called to either be the best or be obsolete. And so I think it is, Striving to be the best at what you do, striving to take market share if you can, and do it in a way that when you when you do grow and you are growing and you are seeing success, that while you do those things, you maintain a level of integrity. you maintain a level of um, again excellence, not doing it by cutting corners. I think that's the temptation I see a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people fall. They cut corners. Um, they do things the wrong way. And unfortunately I've seen uh, companies crumble because people do things the wrong way. Uh, They cut corners because they know that no one's watching until eventually they get found out and someone's watching. Um, So I think that's one way. I think that just in the context of where I live, um, you know, I think being socially conscious is important. Uh, I know for me, I also invest in real estate and LSU do as well. Um, Love some
1: real estate.
0: (laughs) So um, outside of growing businesses, and again, when in my tribe, growth businesses, um, our goal is to help businesses grow, scale, and eventually sell, and that's their objective, and helping them do that in a way that that holds up integrity. But on the real estate side, there's just things that we have to be conscious of when we come into an area, and and right now we're looking for good deals, and oftentimes good deals are in lower markets, uh, lower socioeconomic markets that are potentially going to grow. I think it's being aware of the people that that's going to affect. I think being conscious of the fact that if you move into an area and you bring in a building uh, that is meant to attract a certain higher demographic, it's going to impact the lower socioeconomic demographic in that area. And so I think those are just those are things that people don't necessarily always pay attention to. I think it's our duty to we may not be able to stop gentrification in real estate, um, but we can absolutely be conscious of it and make decisions with that.
1: Yeah, that's really powerful. That idea of being socially conscious in your, your business. But I feel like that's such a tough thing because what you said too was like, if, if you want to stay alive or if you want to be successful and really successful, which is what we want as kingdom capitalists, there is, you talked about this idea of market share, like you can't be obsolete in this day and age of social media and, you know, your brand has to be out there. And so I just would love to hear from you kind of in, in your experience. What have been some things that have just helped you? Kind of stay on that narrow path, uh, or you know, the things that have kept you grounded, maybe practically speaking.
0: Yeah, I think that I think the Lord makes it very clear. Some proverbs, Luke's twenty nine, and uh, if I had the time to pull it up, I would. But it talks about like seeing a man who's skillful in his work, and it says that he will be among kings; he will not be among obscure men. And I think that that's that's been something that's been really impactful for me. Is is God calls us to be skillful in our work? Uh, and you can't become skilled in your work if you cut corners. Mm. And so he's saying, "I want you to sharpen this axe I've given you. I want you to really hone in your craft that I have, I have knit you together in your mother's womb to be good at. I want you to continue to hone that craft and become excellent in what you do, so that other people might see, and so that you might be put in front of kings." Um, and I think that he makes a, a very good point, as he should. He's the creator of all things. That when you do that, you will be among kings. There's two things that happen. You will be among kings. You will not be among obscure men. And that's completely different. Not saying that you can't go down to obscure men and, and be a, ve- a vessel, but it's saying that you will be elevated if you sharpen your craft.
1: And and practically speaking, like how have you stayed grounded in that? Has it been community? Has it just been? I mean, what are those things like? If you know, if our audience, like, yes. But it seems like every time I try and do that, like I'm getting pulled in this direction or whatever. How You know what I mean? Like how how has how your business uh, stayed grounded?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So I think a lot of it has been community. It's been uh, putting people around me that even if they don't have the same vision for my life, they have a good foundation and they are rooted in the gospel. And so what I mean by that is like not everybody is called to go conquer the earth and become you know the next who's who. Um, but I feel like that's what I'm called to. Um, But there are men in my church. There are men uh, in the workplace. There are men who I work with, who I've hired as my employees who keep me accountable. You know, I think that for me, I've joined a number of masterminds, um, one of which now is is Kingdom Capitalists. And I'm really excited about launching that with you, Ellis, and being a part of the founding members group. But being in a tight-knit group of people who have, uh, I guess what you would call like-mindedness, um, they have a common purpose for their work. I mean, a couple, you know, some are faith-related, some are not. Um, and they all are for the purpose of 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 helping elevate. And, you know, kind of the whole um, rising tide lifts all ships. I believe that, you know, we're all ships in this harbor. And it's, it's our work um, for the purpose of how we glorify God in our work. And I believe that when you're in a mastermind, it is a rising tide. Um, so when someone does well, they bring people along with them. And so for me, it has been uh, accountability. So in the church, accountability in the workplace, and then having an advisory board of people who keep me accountable, who are mm-hmm. above me, people who uh, who will press down on me and say, "Hey, Joey, listen. I, I know that this seems like a good idea, but I would I would ask you to prayerfully consider the impact of this." Yeah, that's that been huge. So huge.
1: Yeah, because like, you know, I think oftentimes too is, you know, we're entrepreneurs, we're, you know, I mean, as the kind of kingdom capitalist mindset or just the entrepreneur mindset is like, you know, I'm doing this on my own. I started this. The idea of a mastermind, though, in some sense is like you're actually asking for people to speak into your business, to speak into your life, to show you what you don't know. You know, I mean, how, how has that helped you grow and scale your business? Because I think a lot of people think, well, I just don't need that. I've gotten to where I am. Speak about the impact of a mastermind, how that's helped you get from, you know, kind of growth stage to to, to scale stage where you are now.
0: Yeah, it's, I think that's awesome. So I think I'll give you a good example of a mastermind and the impact of it. So I literally, I'm in Seattle right now. I actually live in Knoxville, but I'm in Seattle right now for a client meeting, um, but I flew directly from here from Colorado where I was actually in a mastermind that was related to my actual niche that I'm in, which is marketing agencies, growth agencies, et cetera. And uh, I went into it thinking I needed to work on, a, you know, two or three things. And by being around 24, 25 other agency owners who are all pursuing growth, who are all looking to scale, who are all looking to, you know, uh, profit in one way or, an, or another, um, I came away with probably 25 action items. And so I think it's when you get so close to the actual situation, it's hard for you to take a step back and analyze and see all the different areas. And and as a Christian, I think that's important because I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the mundane, the everyday tasks, the, I go into work, I go pursue these things. I'm trying to grow the business. I go home. I'm tired. I have responsibilities at home and we don't take time to take a step back. Uh, and look at all the things. And so one, I think masterminds force you to do that. And two, I think masterminds, like you said, you're inviting people into your life by the nature of you joining a mastermind. And so people can see things in your life, in your business, uh, in your marketplace, and how you're positioning your business in the marketplace. People can see those things that you may not be you may be too close to the actual problem to see. And I think that's case in point. this happens time and time again. I've been in masterminds for three, four years now yeah and uh they never seem to disappoint there are some bad ones out there but you know vet them on the front end sure yeah so
1: highly encouraging when listening if you're not part of a mastermind get like get around people i love it like it's the the proximity to other people who are doing exceptional work there's so much power in that and not only that people when you're in that people are looking out for you you know like people have your good in mind and so you know, you have multiple people looking out for your business. And so if you're not one, getting one, if you're looking for one, we have one. I uh, will post the link in the show notes as well. You know, love for you to apply and consider uh, to see if you're a good fit. So, um, but let's move on, Joey, because you have such an interesting story. I've known you for a long time. Uh, we both graduated college and we went into ministry, full-time ministry. Uh, we both served kind of as missionaries on college campuses in our respective cities. And so I, But I know you no longer uh, do that anymore. Now you're creating, you know, uh, large businesses. So I want to talk about that transition and and what that was like, because I know that wasn't easy for you to be in ministry and then go into the business world. So let's let's get into that. What was that? What that was like um, and just the challenges that came about?
0: Yeah, so I think... And again, I think this is something I mentioned earlier, like having a safe place in the church to pursue godly ambition in the workplace. Uh, I think that I had an inappropriate view of work. Uh, I don't think, I know I had an inappropriate view of work. You know, when I looked at God calling me, I thought that that meant I would have to honor the Lord and I would be in a better position in front of the Lord and I would be uh, seen as holier if I was in full-time ministry. Um, and I think that's a view that's pervasive. I think that that, that is common. Um, and I think that's an area where that's not why I joined ministry. But if you're asking why it was hard for me to leave ministry, that was probably the reason because I had some inappropriate views about work. But uh, I did for a season feel called to um, go into full-time ministry, um, doing some inner city stuff as well as some college campus stuff. And and I think that was for the season that I was in. That's That's exactly where God wanted me to be. He wanted me to be uncomfortable. He wanted me to experience a little bit of poverty. I think. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've learned that you can live on a lot less, um, and I think that I was able to ground myself, force myself in that in that place to really spend time thinking for other people. Um, and in the workplace, it's a completely different model. Most people, it's all about them and how they can build their own kingdom and their own bank account, their own assets and those types of things. Um, in ministry, you're forced, you don't have a whole lot of money, but you're also forced to think about other people. That's your job. Mm-hmm. So I think it was really good for me in that season. But as uh, as I got deeper and deeper into ministry, I kept feeling a a, a weird, I would say almost supernatural pull towards uh, towards the business world. And I think that it was further confirmed by just opportunities that kind of fell into my lap um to enter into quote-unquote corporate world um and so it forced me to pray about what does this look like you know it runs up against some of my at the time inappropriate beliefs about work i feel like i'm, I'm doing a lesser calling if i leave ministry and go into work and So I had, mm. it was a season of wrestling through what does that actually look like and am i settling um by going into the workforce instead of living impoverished and in full-time ministry um and I think the Lord really opened my eyes. To, and that was, was around the time when I started seeing, uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit really illuminated a lot of the word, scripture, uh, showing me that work was God-honoring, that work was, um, was in fact, just as high of a calling as someone who was on a college campus sharing the gospel with someone. And in fact, those things... A lot of the people who are on campuses, who are uh, in third world countries, who are preaching the gospel to unknown people groups or unreached people groups, they can't go unless there are ambitious Christians in the workplace who can help propel them to go. Amen. And so, you know, for me, that transition, that light bulb kind of went off in my head. Uh, the Lord really eliminated that. Uh, it was an easy decision for me. And I never looked back. Um, I don't regret leaving ministry. Um, I felt like I left in a in a really healthy way. Um, and in fact, now I feel as though I have more of an impact Mm. on the kingdom because of the money and influence that I have. I'm able to, with influence, I'm able to, to, um, elevate people. I'm able to put people in front of other people that they wouldn't be able to get in front of. And from a monetary standpoint, I make a whole lot of money that I'm able to give away for the purpose of enabling people to be on campus and, and to, to live out their calling on, campus or whatever their mission field is so for me it's an exciting place to be where i'm actually getting to see my hard work in the workplace impact the kingdom um, mm. and completely obliterate that that inappropriate view that i had about work and faith
1: yeah that's so good i know that's something i've struggled with as well is uh just even questioning like I, if, if i leave ministry am i leaving my greatest impact and so I think this is going to be so encouraging for so many to realize like, no, like if, if the Lord is calling you into a new season, um, then trust, you know, it's not your kingdom anyways, it's God's and that he's going to use you as he wishes. Um, so that's so good. I, you know, you, you saw, you talked about having an impact and knowing you and kind of knowing your influence in the city. I don't know what's here, but I want to ask you about it. Um, just the idea of becoming a leader and an influencer in your city through your business. Like I I just would love to know that the doors of that has opened up and, and what, how you have done that, like kind of planted yourself in a city where a lot of people know you, you're interacting with people, just the value of that, kind of how you've gone about trying to do that and the doors that's opened up for you.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's been really humbling and encouraging at the same time to see, as you pursue excellent work and as you do uh really big things for the kingdom that even the secular world notices and uh, there's something that attracts them to that and so i think for me i've i've been able to build a brand i've um gotten some fairly prestigious local awards in knoxville tennessee um just by the nature of me doing excellent work and so i think People notice when that happens too, I think, um, you know, my ability to, to see people through business and not just see dollar signs has been huge. And so um, like for me, I hire inner city people um, to do tasks. And so for instance, I have a videographer right now that um, I hired him uh, just kind of, he just graduated UT. He came from Memphis, Tennessee, where he lived um, kind of in the hood. And it was either he was going to find a job here doing video work and he was super hungry and passionate about what he was trying to do, or he was going to go back to Memphis where he didn't have a support system. So I made a position for him and I hired him um, and now I'm actively mentoring him. So doing things like that and work has been really cool. People taking notice of that. It's not why I do it, but I think it's, um, it's just been a byproduct of caring about people and caring about um, the people that I am able to employ. Awesome. Outside of that, yeah. Uh, relationships in general. I think there are some uh, relationships that I have in Knoxville of really high powered people who are doing really big things. Um, for instance, I'm under contract right now on a 67,000 square foot building. Um, and we've been in communication with some some pretty high up people in Knoxville talking about what we can use the space for, one of which is helping create like a media production studio that we then utilize to help educate inner city kids who are extremely creative, but don't have the avenues to express that uh, and don't have the avenues to learn. So that's a, that's an area in that building that we're thinking about. Uh, we're actually now uh, talking to uh, Pelissippi state college, which is just down the street who wants to potentially partner with us in a culinary capacity and a media production capacity potentially. And those things wouldn't be possible if I didn't have a name and a brand around town. I didn't have um, some sort of authority, and I wouldn't have had that authority if I didn't pursue excellent work, which comes yeah. back to if you honor the Lord in your work and you pursue excellent, skillful work, uh, he's going to put you among kings.
1: Yeah, this is so exciting. Like I-, I hope people are catching this, like the vision of this, because like what you're saying is you're not just making money so that you can go give it away to missionaries in third world countries or college ministries. What you're doing and the power of what you're doing is you're creating a business or you have created a business, you've created a brand that in and of itself is being generous to the city, right? Like you're providing jobs, you're mentoring students and and really, you know, guys and girls who – who necessarily wouldn't have those opportunities you know b- given their economic status and background unfortunately. And so I mean even what you said like there's jobs there you're you're creating future uh you're creating futures that is so powerful. I hope people catch that that generosity as a kingdom capitalist does not just mean I make money to give money which is which is a component of what we do right? Like we we support those things of course, but if your mindset is I just make money to to give money you're missing out on the calling that God has placed in your life to value your work and, and to right. create things uh, that really honor him and build your city up. And so I just love that. That uh, was so beautifully uh, said. So yeah, and, I,
0: and I want to kind of just add to that too. I think that get excited about how you're made, whether it's you're an introvert and you love typing on a computer and in the dark and you're good at coding and building applications and websites and, and other things like. God uses that for the glory of God. What you can do with that skill set uh, for people to illuminate the gospel uh, would shock you. And same thing, like I, I know how to build businesses, I know how to grow a business, I know how to help them scale, I know how to help them create processes. I can use that for the kingdom, um, and I'm doing that. It's just something I'm excited. It's a piece of our business is we we try to find businesses that we call mission driven businesses, businesses that um, have a purpose outside of profit. And so it's, it's exciting for me to know that I can take my craft and, and the company that I built, I can apply it to a business like that, who has a purpose and I can help magnify that purpose by essentially pouring on my skill set under that business. Hmm. Um, and one more thing too, I think it's really important. Money is, is not evil. Um, it, I wouldn't have the opportunities to impact the people I did today if I wasn't making a lot of money. and And that's not a not for me to just throw out there that I'm making a lot of money. It's more that it's an, it's something that you should be excited about that. uh, I think a lot of times we are afraid to see what success would look like and what success can do to us. And it can, it can tear you down. Money can tear you, tear you down or pull you away from. I think as long as you have that accountability, like we're talking about in the masterminds and, and having accountability in the church and accountability above you and peers, you know, parallel with you it allows you to take those things that are made for good and are made for impact um, and use them appropriately instead of letting those things control you. Um, and so that's just another plug for joining a mastermind. Like, I, Listen, at the end of the day, I, I need you, whoever's listening to this in that mastermind, as much as you might need me. And, and that's the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is we are not uh, singular uh, doing this alone. We're not meant to do this alone. God even makes it very clear that we're not meant to walk in this world, and this life uh, alone. And so that's the exciting thing about a mastermind or an accountability group uh, that's centered around your work and doing good and excellent work uh, is we're not meant to do it alone. Hmm. So,
1: Outside plug. of the Bible, um, what have been some books to, to help you with this mindset of um, really pursuing after success, after like really dreaming about um, making money, you know, I mean, because for me that was that was really hard. My my history of what money's done to my family, et cetera, was really hard for me to start thinking about. Well, now that I need to, now that I need money to grow our nonprofit and our ministry, like I got to figure out how to go make it. So, what have been some things to help you with that mindset? Have there been any books that have influenced you?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think both secular and spiritual books, you know, I yeah, think, sure. uh, on the spiritual side, there's some cool books that I've read. One's called called to create another one, which isn't out yet, but uh, I'm friends with the the author, um, which is called master of one. Um, both actually both of those books are written by him, uh, Jordan Rainer. And so those have been really impactful for me. I think also obviously Tim Keller's every good endeavor has been impactful for me, but even on the secular side, there are, there are books like, uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich that, listen, at the end of the day, I don't think Napoleon's objective was to build the kingdom of God, but I do think there are some incredible principles in that book. And if you read them prayerfully, uh, that you can take, uh, and apply to your business and your life and have an impact on the kingdom, uh, God's kingdom, not yours. And, uh, I think that there are a lot, there's a lot to learn, like, um, The Go Giver. The Go Giver is another huge book. It's really short. I'd suggest starting there. Honestly, it's a it's a narrative story um, that has a lot of business principles in it that has taught me a lot. So there's, I mean, I have a whole list of. I have a bookshelf at home. Those are great. Those are great.
1: Those are great. That's really helpful. I've not read The Go Giver, and I, I do, but all the other ones I I also. Um, second for sure uh, would love maybe maybe we can get Jordan Rayner on this show huh Joey I've been trying work to. <laughs> <laughs> um, work so uh, okay so let's kind of make a turn here and I really want to talk about tribe prospecting because part of being a kingdom oh. capitalist in this show I, I really do want to help people see the value of their work uh, but I also want to give some real world practice and skills to people who are really trying to grow and scale their business and, and really have success. And you are really good at selling. Uh, that's part of what you do. And then you're really good at scaling. And so, um, I don't know which one you want to talk about first. We, I know in the pre show, you said you, there's two things your business does cold to close and scale to sell. And so I'm going to let you kind of take it where you will, but would love for you to give, uh, just some, like as if you were coaching your clients. Let's talk about yeah. that.
0: Yeah, that's great. So I think, so tribe pro- I have two businesses, Tribe Prospecting. Um, well, I have a bunch of businesses that I have my hands in, but the, the two main businesses are Tribe Prospecting and then the other one, which is more of a growth consultancy. Uh, we've still not named it yet. It's more of like a tribe private client group, it's really invite only. So that one's a little bit more um, secluded from the rest. But um, Tribe Prospecting is really a, a, a business that helps uh, high ticket, high value businesses sell their high ticket service or product. Um, and so what we, how that works is we either help them DIY, so do it yourself, we teach them. Uh, we either, And then the next one is done with you. So we actually hold your hand and help you create sales processes and help you with positioning and those types of things. And the other one, which is the most popular one, which is done for you. So they'll hire us to be essentially their outsourced sales team. And And one thing that we have noticed over the years, we've now run 443 campaigns for 112 businesses over the past two and a half years or so. Um, And that comes back with a lot of data that in order for you to be successful um, selling and and creating sustainable growth, you have to have what we call the four fits. Uh, Something we've kind of trademarked internally here. It's called the four fits. And the four fits are identity, Uh, the next is the market. The third one is positioning and the last one is offer. So identity. who are you? What are your core values? What does your business stand for? What is the purpose in which you exist as a business? Market? What market are you serving? What niche is it that you believe that you can serve better than anyone else? Um, you know what are, what are some indicators of your market? What do they need, et cetera? Positioning. Where does your identity, where is your business fit within that marketplace? So how do you want to be perceived in that market? How do you want to position yourself? And the last part is offer. What is it that you offer to the market um, inside of your position with your identity in mind? What is it that you offer to the market that is better than anything else anyone else does? And, And what I found is if you have those four fits in place, sales and marketing and growth come a lot more naturally and come a lot easier. And I would actually say if you don't have the four fits, you're not going to be successful for the long haul. You might have some short success. You might have a boom and bust cycle where you have ups and downs, ebbs and flows, uh, but creating sustainable growth is not going to happen. So that's on the sales side. fits is super important. So thinking through identity, who are you? Market, who do you serve? Positioning, how do you serve them? Offer, what is it that you sell them? Mm. Can um, I just
1: point out real quick for you? Yeah. Like We just had an interview with Josh Wilson, uh, a coach that we both we both have uh been a part of his coaching. And he said, you know, it's so funny that you're saying this because what we talked about his um on his show was three things, the three questions for every entrepreneur. Who am I? Uh, who do I serve and what do I do for them? And it's exactly like the the offer, what do I do? You know, is normally what we focus on the most. And for both of you, that doesn't come till the, the last question. And right. so I think that's so powerful to point out is it's much more important to think about who you are and, and who you want to serve in your mm-hmm. unique position in that community before you even talk about your offer. So right. uh, I really like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's important. I think uh, a lot of folks start with the offer and they try to go find the people to sell it to. Whereas uh, now you have to have a skill set in mind to sell. You know, a general thing. I'm not going to go sell bookkeeping because I'm terrible at financials. That's why <laughs> I hire people for that. Um, but. For me, I know I'm growth related, but I don't know what offer to give people until I know who I'm serving. So mm-hmm. my my company name Tribe actually comes for a purpose. Like our purpose is we want to build the tribe. We have an identity. We want to figure out who it is we serve, our market, who's the tribe that we're building it around. And actually, uh, one one really impactful book, Ellis, to add to the book list is "This Is Marketing" by Seth Godin. Uh, just the way he blazes it out is I call it. He's that book is like my spirit animal, which. Uh, in terms of, I think he's saying exactly what I believe in my core, which is it's, it's far more important to go very narrow and build your, uh, and go very narrow and go very deep with a very select group of people and, be, and build a tribe. Kind of like what you're doing Ellis with kingdom capitalists, you're building a tribe of, of Christians who want to have massive impact in the workplace for the purpose of the kingdom of God, um, build that tribe and then figure out what it is they need. I think we always say, "Here's what I believe people need." Then let me go find people to buy it. And I think it's a complete; it needs to be flipped on its head. Hmm. So that's that's on the selling side. That's also just good business having those four fits in place. Uh, That's the story you tell as a business. Um, But on the growth side of things, and I think I want to kind of differentiate the two: sales and growth are not the same thing. Sales is a component of growth, and so if you're a business and your goal at this point is now to scale that you want to have growth and you want to be around 10, 20, 30 years from now, you want to have a legacy. Um, There are things that you need to consider um, and things that we have found in running over 400 something campaigns for over a hundred businesses is that most people equate growth to pipeline or more leads. They think if I just had more leads in my business, I would have growth that I want. Um, And we've actually changed that, which is funny since we're a lead generation company we like to say why a lead generation company says you shouldn't focus on leads. What we have found is that growth is a form. There's a formula for growth. Uh, And I'm going to say the formula now. So if you don't pick it up, just listen back, but growth equals think about the numerator in a fraction here. So the numerator here is growth equals pipeline times conversion times economics. And that's divided by the denominator here is operations. So, Think of it as growth equals, and then on top, it's pipeline, conversion, and economics. And on the bottom, it's operations. And I'll break this down really quickly for you. It's super impactful when you think about it this way. Most people believe pipeline. Let me actually back up. Let me explain those three pillars. We call it our four pillars of growth. Um, The three pillars are the numerator and and the one important pillar is operations in the bottom. But the top three pillars is pipeline, conversion, and economics. Pipeline is leads. So inbound leads coming in through content and brand and podcasts and stuff like that. Outbound leads, which is I'm going after cold prospects via a sales process. Uh, Organic leads, people coming in organically through content. Paid leads, which is you know uh, advertising, etc. That's pipeline. Conversion is, okay, of the people that come into my funnel or my door, how many of those am I converting into actual revenue? So pipeline times conversion. Uh, And the last part is economics. So what are the economics of your business? What is your lifetime value of a client? How often do clients churn? How much are you charging? What are your margins, et cetera? And then operations is operations. So how do we become system and process oriented? So when you think about growth, a lot of people think, okay, if I want to double my business, let's just say I'm at, just for number's sake, 1 million. And I want to go to 2 million. I want to double my business. Um, and we say, okay, in order to double my business, I think in my mind, this is a narrative that everyone thinks I just need more leads. If I just had twice the amount of leads, I would have double my business and revenue. Um, and we actually push up against that because it's very difficult to go from, let's say it's 20 leads a month to 40 leads a month of qualified leads. And so we start thinking about that way and you realize Actually, if you look at those three components, pipeline, conversion, and economics, if you just pick one of them and you say, I want to double my business, you have to either, you have to double one of those three. You either have to double the amount of leads you're getting, you have to double the percentage of people that you close into revenue, or you have to double your pricing. All Mm -hmm. three of those in a silo are very difficult to do. But what we call uh, sustainable growth incremental growth is let's focus on all three of those and impacting them incrementally. So if Mm -hmm. you, what we've actually found is that if you increase pipeline conversion and economics by only 26% each. So instead of going from 20 leads to 40 leads, I just got to go from 20 leads to 25 leads. And if my conversion is one out of every four so 25%, I have to go from 25% instead of 25% to 50%, I go from 25% to 30%. And then economics, you know, I only have to marginally increase my pricing in order for me to have a 26% lift. So from $1,000 per customer to $1,250. And if you do all three of those and you impact all three of those incrementally, if you, and you guys can do the math, you go from 1 million to 2 million with incremental growth as opposed to drastically impacting any one variable in that equation.
1: That's powerful. That is really powerful.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually been a a massive shift for people to think through that. It's something that we teach on now. Is incremental growth in all three variables outweighs, and it's far more sustainable than than two hundred percenting. You know, two hundred percent growth in any one variable. And unfortunately, most mm-hmm. businesses think that I need to have two hundred percent growth in pipeline in order for me to build my business. Yeah,
1: so that's really good. So, uh, last question on that, you. Um, you're like the tool guy. I feel like you have like so many tools that you like technology wise that you really enjoy that. What are some helpful tools that you use in your business or you help other businesses use to, to for pipeline conversion economics that uh, people could go check out?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously everyone needs a CRM. Uh, I would highly suggest Pipedrive as being one. Um, it's very intuitive. UI UX is solid. Um and it has some automation built into it. But I would think if I'm just looking at a universal tool that everyone should be using, uh, Zapier is one of them. And this is part of that formula. I didn't really hit on it, but the last part is the operations. The denominator of that equation is operations. So operations is meant to impact all three of those categories. Operations can't create growth, but it can hinder it if you don't have them in place. So that's important. So Zapier is an automation tool um, that allows you to... Uh, connect softwares that don't have a native connection. So for instance, right now we're talking on a tool called Squadcast. And if we wanted this tool to automatically send this recording to, let's say Rev, Rev Rev.com, which is a transcription software, Zapier can do that automatically for you. And so that enables you to have more time in the day and enables you to uh, create systems and processes around certain uh, things that you do on a repetitive basis online. So Zaku.com is one that I could not live without. Um, it saves me a ton of time, it saves me a ton of mundane tasks that I would be doing manually that I no longer have to do. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, uh, I'm going to get a little bit more unconventional. Having an assistant, this is not technology or tools, but it is absolutely a game changer. I have an assistant who, uh, I don't check my own email. I don't do my own calendar. Um, she does all that for me. Um, she books my travel. Like She has absolutely given me back since I've hired hundreds of hours of my time um, and I'm happy to pay 20 bucks an hour to do that and so uh, don't be afraid to delegate um, in your life and so I think that's that's another big tip outside of that I mean there's I can go categorically all day long for tools um, sales tools marketing tools um, basic so we use this tool called Paperform. form so if you're ever looking to build out forms that have conditional logic, meaning if someone answers this way in the form, then give them this question. um, And it sends them on the path that's more appropriate to that person who's answering that form. We use that. Um, That's great. Yeah,
1: That's good stuff. Uh, Well, man, Joey, this has been awesome. Uh, We have taken, I've taken away so much. We talked about what a kingdom Capitalist is, uh, someone who is doing exceptional work, for the glory of God, you you told us kind of how you're being socially conscious in your business, uh, what generosity looks like, mm-hmm. uh, not just giving money, but really creating generosity through your company and providing opportunities for people, uh, the four fits uh, of selling, um, and then just an incredible, what we just talked about, your uh, your growth strategy, pipeline times conversion times economics divided by operations. I, I think a lot of people are going to be able to take away. From that, so this was really, really good, um, Joey. Anything uh, else that you want to add? And if, if not, how can people get a hold of you, or um, you know, learn more about what you're doing? Want to provide sure. an opportunity for you to share that?
0: Yeah, I think just lastly, I think um, as a kingdom capitalist, it is your responsibility. Not everybody's going to have massive success, but it is your responsibility to do excellent work. And so whatever tools you can use to do excellent work, and, and I believe a mastermind, I'm going to give an a, a unashamed plug for Kingdom Capitalist. It'd be weird if Alice was plugging it, but I'm going to plug it since <laughs> I'm not the one who runs it. Um, I need people in this group who are going to push me. Uh, it is going to be worth my time to be in this group for people to push me. Um, and, and I want people who are ambitious and who are going to come alongside me and link arms uh and help me conquer and and I want to do the same for other people is is work alongside you and help you conquer your goals and we all do it for the glory of God. So that'd be my last I'm gonna do an unashamed plug for Ellis there. Uh you're welcome, Ellis. He didn't ask Thank me you. to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so join that. But um yeah outside of that to find me, I mean I'm I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I've got nine thousand people in my network at this point. Um I'd love for you to join that. So uh, LinkedIn.com forward slash I N forward slash Joey Gilkey. If you don't know how to spell that, I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Um, and then outside of that, if you want to shoot me an email, uh, my assistant's going to check it, but uh, I'll <laughs> have her i will have her flag it for me to check at the end of the day. And that's Joey at tribe, T-R-I-B-E prospecting.com. Joey at tribe prospecting.com. would love to hear from you.
1: Yeah. We'll put all that in the show notes. Okay. Well, I don't have to pitch the mastermind anymore because Joey's done enough of that. I appreciate that so much. I will also post that link in the show notes. If you're interested in being a part of that, uh, you can apply and we will jump on a call to see if you're a good fit for our tribe as well. Joey, I love this man. Um, Blessings to you in all your endeavors there in Knoxville and all that you have coming up. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me on us.
1: Love you, dude. See you guys. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guests of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.